Welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. And I came on really strong in this episode. I'm not entirely sure why. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-hosts, co-host <laughs> Keith of Ghost Coal Mag. Uh, What's up? Keith, what are we talking about on today's fun, fun, fun edition of Dumb, Dumb, Dumb? <laughs> you are just full of pep. I, uh, we are... <laughs> talking about unique release strategies unique in, release strategies in and around the in and around release covid-19 covid-19 pandemic pandemic um okay so douchey radio voice aside um what I wanted to kind of get into, right, is that we've seen a few interesting release strategies lately. And, and I think in the last few years, we've seen interesting release strategies. Although I don't necessarily know if any have caught on, you know, and this is what I want to kind of get into, get in with you, Keith, is, um, you know, we see interesting things like how Acacia Strain did this really unique uh, release pattern with... Um, you know, releasing uh, five, seven inches before going into their record and having guests on each seven inch to make it special, yada, yada, yada. I think we both thought that was uh, bomb diggity, to use the vernacular. Um, however, you know, we don't really see these sorts of things catching on. Why do you think that is? Well, I think not every band can pull off what a Casey strain has done. First of all, they recorded this last year. And I think irrespective of the pandemic hitting, they were going to do this anyway. I think it was a great plan. Yeah. And, and, and I just want to point out how important it is. They recorded this last year, which means they, that like a fuckload of planning went into this thing. Right. Uh, and they, and we've discussed before they have kind of a dream team. They're on rise records. They're man, They have good fight management. They have Adam Splitter for PR, so they have tens across the board, and they are remarkably consistent as a band when it comes to product and writing and physical product and merch. So they have a diehard fan base. They have all the other pieces in place. So not every band is can be them, but at the same time, there's things we can learn from this. I personally also love this strategy. I think it was awesome to build this mystery. Each uh, seven inch had like a single letter as a title. What does it spell? What does it mean? They did a little thing on social media, I think at one point with their Instagram, where it was like they were dropping the artwork in pieces. Maybe it was connected, maybe it wasn't. People are looking for things, conspiracies, and what does it all mean? What does it spell? Uh, obviously, the full length is going to be called Slow Decay, and will include all the songs from the mini releases, as well as unreleased songs, which now makes people want to buy the full length, even if they've been buying all the other little pieces, which is great. Yeah, and that's absolutely one of the coolest parts is this idea that like 
oh wow, there's layers within layers within layers. Um, you know, and I think that's important. Now that being said, I don't know, I'd like your thoughts on this, Keith. I don't know if maybe a smaller band can pull that off right away. However, I do think there are lessons to be taken away from this. Absolutely. And I think even if you did it on a smaller scale, like dropped a couple of EPs or seven inches along the way to a longer EP or a full length, I just think thinking outside of the box right now and getting away from the the album is the thing, I think that's a really good idea, especially in the wake of the pandemic, in the wake of Bandcamp Fridays, in the wake of all kinds of bands churning out sort of holdover content in the meantime, quarantine content, if you will. Yeah. Now, I mean, my concern with this, you know, is that it's twofold. One, I think the press has, the press in metal historically lags behind like the actual stuff that's going on. Um, You know, but I feel like the concern is that EPs don't get as much press coverage, you know, which I think is a valid concern, you know, same with splits. I think both these things are sometimes harder to promote, unfortunately. Uh, So I think that's kind of got an impact that you have to maybe not, you know, change your whole thing for, but, you know, just to keep in mind, you know. Um, And again, I also think the amount of planning is important. That being said, I think, you know, even a simpler takeaway, even if you don't want to necessarily do an EP before, you can just do like um, five singles out of your 12 songs on your record. You know, like, I don't really think there's a reason not to do a ton of singles if you can plot it out. You know what I'm saying? I do. Um, I'm going to shout out a band on the flip side that didn't take this approach, but has also been pretty fastidious in terms of churning out fresh content for their fans in smaller increments. And that is a band that is a favorite of yours and mine, Haunt. And, uh, you know, we love the band. And they have actually put out three full lengths in less than a year and a half, which is mind-blowing a mind-blowing clip to actually have, and also they're all bangers. So to have this much high-quality music come out from one band, and they've also put out like a couple of singles, and they put out like, you know, some variant merch and stuff, but like Haunt, we've talked about them before, about their marketing game being on point, about their social media game, and now let's talk about their release strategy. They just dropped another new record, which they were planning but they literally put out a new record in January and put out like put out a new record January 6th and they had a brand new record on Bandcamp Day July 3rd ridiculous and great yeah you know and 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 I think if you can maintain that level of intensity you're just going to succeed you know another example of this is Primitive Man I was writing a review of their new record today and I found I noticed that they've had nine releases nine since the beginning of 2017 and also, when you kind of look at when Primitive Man really started to, like, accelerate, which was basically 2017, that's when they started, to, you know, they'd already, like, like let me pull up their um, release schedule. Because Primitive Man is a great example of a band who are always doing kind of interesting stuff. Yeah, Primitive Man, yeah. They've done nine since 2017, but then in 2014, they were on four splits and had a separate single. And then between 2015 and 2016, there was four releases, 
right? So they were just cranking stuff out, knowing that eventually someone was going to notice. You know, like there was obviously the first record, which was great and lauded and yada, yada, yada. But they didn't just press the brakes. They just kept pumping stuff out, you know, and it also meant they could collaborate with a bunch of different labels, et cetera, et cetera. You know, another band who I think are really good at this are Sodom. Uh, Sodom have had a release every year since like 2012 or something. Uh, did you know this? This is like the craziest thing to me. I did. Um... They've had multiple releases every year, except for 2015, where they only had one, where it was the, the big Teutonic Four with uh, Creator and uh, the other two. Being able to crank stuff out consistently is important. And then being, being willing to put out a bunch of singles to get people checking stuff out is also important, you know? And I think, you know, and I think even if you're doing just, you know, uh, War Cloud, one of my favorite bands on Ripple, did a really good job with this, where what they did was they just put out a live record of, like, live in the studio, a la Kiss Alive 2, that was, like, a best of their first two records. This isn't, like, a known, a very known band. They were just like, look, we're going to go into the studio, we're going to crank out some good fucking music and just go from there, right? And it's just this question of, like, always having some new thing on the horizon. You know, I think, um, what are some easy ways to always have sort of new content on the horizon aside from doing a million singles, which I think is a valid strategy? Agreed. Um, well, first of all, right now, depending on who you talk to, a lot of people are using the downtime lock-in quarantine to woodshed, write new jams, cover songs, do creative things, go back through their archives, check out some soundboard tapes, see the quality, see if it's release worthy. Um, I have talked to a few bands who said live streaming is not for them and they're yeah. not interested. And so if live streaming is not for you, do you do this instead is don't do it live work on high quality home recordings you can still record in isolation as a whole band uh you can have a you can have a click track you can have a metronome you can listen to your own track while you shred there's no re there's no law that says you can't and then get a good recording quality you know there's enough uh inexpensive or free recording software out there and a decent mic uh, if you don't have the gear ready, I'm sure a lot of people do. So there's all kinds of things you can do from the content spectrum. And then if you really can't do any of those things, you can still do things like uh, Facebook and Instagram lives and you can do track by track commentaries and you can do live hangouts. If you have, a, if you like YouTube and YouTube is your channel, if you have over a thousand subs, you can do a, a YouTube live hangout with a tip jar. Yeah, I want to just point something out real fast. Because um, a thousand subs is kind of an intimidating number. Um, you know, what I just want to point out is the cover song thing. And this will help you with YouTube too. I was just watching a whole a very long uh, video series about this. That cover songs are like one of the best ways to grow your YouTube. And they're fun, you know? Like, I don't think it makes sense to do them as your only thing, but I think right now is a really good time to learn, you know, 10 cover songs that are interesting and then just crank them out. You know, I, I think, what do you got to lose? Um, Next to nothing. Yeah, so there you go, you know, and that's an easy, you know, uh, the guys in the Foreign Resort did this. Uh, this is actually one of my favorites. The Foreign Resort is a band on Artifact Records, okay? Uh, so I, I work with them. Um, they put out uh, during 
quarantine, they, they, what they did was they put out an EP. I like this a lot called uh, Under Your Nose. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The EP is called the Rabbit Hole EP. And then within this EP, right, they have like a cover song and then another, it's a four track EP. One song is a cover song. Another song is like a, uh, a reimagining of a previous song. Another has like a guest on it. Like all these things, like they're, you know, they're, they're cool and like relatively easy ways, you know, to, to, to stretch one or two songs that they had in the, you know, in their back pocket into four. Right. And that's, uh, you know, and I think that's important. Dude, so. Chemist, right? Chemist just dropped a new double single with a cover. Like, oh, you know, yeah. oh my goodness. Uh, and uh, who else? Um, Enterprise Earth just dropped a new EP with one new song and two covers, including Lamb of God and Necrophages. The Necrophages cover slaps. And yeah. so does the Lamb of God cover. And I was going to throw out there that, you know, sometimes if you, it's it's not the worst thing in the world to pick a song that has been covered a ton and throw your own spin on it. I always like to think of outside of jazz standards and obviously classical music, one of the most covered songs of all time in any genre is Yesterday by the Beatles. It has sure. been covered like thousands of times, absurd amount of times. Yeah, yeah. Like I ima- ima- right. Imagine like a really clever artifact band like Kylan Mikla covering yeah, exactly. in their style. Kylan, not Kylan, Kylan. Um, okay. Like Pylon. And anyway, so, so the point being, um, yeah, and, and, that, and that's important, right, is, you know, find, you know, cover songs are a great way to grow if you find your own unique, uh, your own unique twist on them. And that can be, you know, that can be a variety of things. You know, it can be a genre split. Uh, it can be a, a gender spot vocal, right? So like dude vocalist doing a female pop song you know i think i think if it gets too silly people kind of roll their eyes if you do that more than once you know i think like it worked it worked famously for children of bodom with the sort of um britney spears covers but i think after a point it's it's kind of like oh okay that that's that's no longer cute you know um but yeah so you know there's a lot of things you can be doing you know but i think the idea is just to kind of keep the content flow regular but just realize it takes a lot of planning and sometimes there are hacks around having to do too much planning where instead you can kind of grow on your own. Anyway, this comes to the end of another episode of the Dumb and the Dumbest Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You have, in fact, been listening. <laughs> Are we done yet? <laughs>